book of Luke, chapter number 23. Let's begin reading in verse number 39. Luke chapter 23 and verse number 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. One of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But verse number 42 said, The other malefactor hanged also on a cross. Turned and said unto Jesus, Lord, Two crosses, two different cries. I want to preach tonight on the effects of life's crosses. The effects of life's crosses. The scene at Calvary, of course, consisted of three crosses. Two male factors, which were thieves, the Bible said, crucified. I read to you tonight the description of those two crosses. Thieves hang thereon, male factors. And then in the middle, one cross upon which our blessed Savior hanged, suffering, a painful, shameful death above any other. The very fact that he was crucified between these thieves indicate to us that Christ was not only treated as a transgressor, but he was numbered with them. Also, this scene at Calvary involved soldiers. Soldiers who were employed in this execution. The Bible tells us that they were seizing his garments, probably as payment for their employment or their works. The Bible tells us they parted those garments among themselves and they became gamblers at Golgotha. Also at Calvary you would find a crowd, a crowd that was there deriding him, mocking him, making sport of him, jesting of his suffering. One place I believe the Bible indicated that 
they walked by and wagged their heads. And they challenged him to save himself from the cross. But they did not realize that he was saving others by the cross. Thank God he didn't come down. Thank God he didn't come down. Save yourself from the cross. But he was saving others by the cross. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Despising the shame. And he sat down at the right hand of God. Thank God he didn't come down. There's something that I want you to notice at this scene at Calvary. And I read to you here from this text. In verse 39, a man on a cross, the Bible said, hanged on a cross and turned to Jesus and railed on him. Again in verse 42, another man hanged on no doubt the same type of cross. Felt the same type of pain and the same type of suffering. But yet he turns to Jesus and says, Lord, I want you to see that in this text it represents to us the different effects that our crosses have on the children of men. Because it will produce in your life one of two cries. You will either complain or you will convert. Save me from this cross. Save me from this cross. And the other man turned to Jesus and said, Remember me while I am on this cross. You know, really in life, we have to understand that being a child of God, it is inevitable that we will bear a cross. Part of my text tonight, or my thought, has already been mentioned in other messages. Because really... It's hard to get away from the cross. And God forbid that we would ever get away from preaching of the cross. Christ knew about His cross. I believe that He knew His cross was inevitable in His life. From the very time that that forbidden fruit touched the lips of Eve, I believe that Jesus Christ seen a cross somewhere in the horizon. Most of us have heard that, that story told and Brother Billy Joe Watson shared it while he was preaching at Bristow this year, uh, a month ago. He told that, that, that well-known illustration of the man that operated a drawbridge. How many has heard that story? He had gone to work and it was his responsibility to make sure everything was intact because upon the bridge, my understanding is correct, was a railroad track. The drawbridge would go up and allow ships to pass. It would come back together and allow the train to go speeding by safely over the river. And on this particular day, the man had taken his young boy. I think the story said he was about 12 years old. He had taken him to the job and they were there. And while they were eating lunch, there was an approaching train in the distance. So the man had gave the, the young boy instructions and gave him orders to go on back to the glass house and he would go up there and operate the levers and controls and bring everything back intact and allow the train to pass safely. 
somehow or another, I don't remember all of the details of the illustration, but the young boy climbed up in those cables and in those gears and got among those pulleys. And the father turned and looked, saw the train was approaching, coming near the river. And in a few moments, he would have to make a, a, a right decision. But he had his son in the balance. Do I allow my son to die and know that he'll be ground and crushed in the cables and pulleys of that drawbridge? Do I give him and watch him die and allow hundreds on this train to go passing right on by safely? Or do I allow them to die and save my son? And the story said that the father that day turned his back and pulled those levers. Knowing that those gears and pulleys and cables were turning and his son would be crushed to death in those gears. And the story said that when he pulled the lever, knowing that his son had died, he looked up out of the glass house and the train went speeding by. And on that train were occupants. Some were laughing. Some were reading newspapers. Some were eating dinner. Some were drinking tea. And the father began to weep. Don't they know what a sacrifice has been given that they could live? And then we use that illustration and we make a comparison of how our Heavenly Father must have felt when Jesus went all the way up Calvary and died upon that cruel cross. But the only difference, Max Lucado said, the cross in Jesus' life was no accident. The story that I talked to you about where the Father gave His Son that hundreds could be saved, that was not supposed to happen. It was an accident. But when I read to you out of the Gospels and tell you about Calvary, and I tell you about a blessed Savior dying upon a cross, my friend, that was no accident. It was in the original plan. It was in the original blueprint and it was supposed to happen. And thank God he didn't come down. And since we know tonight that Jesus knew about his cross, many times when we follow the conversations of the Lord, speaking with the disciples, we find out that Christ also instructed the disciples that it was inevitable that they too would bear a cross. Matthew 10 and 38, He that taketh not his cross is not worthy of me. Again, the gospel said, Take up your cross. Mark 10 and 34, Take up your cross. Luke chapter 14, verse 27, Whosoever doth not bear his cross cannot be my disciple. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 24, Jesus said unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. These conversations between Christ and his disciples allow us to see, my friend, that the cross is one of the greatest marks of discipleship that there is. And for you and I to understand the necessity of our cross in life will make us a true follower and disciple of the Lord. Can somebody shout, Amen? Amen. 
Amen. I remember reading one time that Charles Spurgeon said, There will be no crown wearers in heaven that were not cross bearers on earth. And if Christ envisioned the cross for himself, he also envisioned the cross for everyone that would follow him. I counted dollars while God counted crosses. I counted gains while he counted losses. I counted my worth by the things gained in store. But he counted my worth by the scars that I bore. Could I tell you tonight, Christian friend, that it is inevitable in your experience you will someday bear your own cross. Come on now, sometime or another. It's not all a Disneyland experience being saved. It's not all a cloud nine delight with fireworks and mountaintops. Come on, there are some joyous days. There are some days of, of a climax and ecstatic joy. But there are also days, my friend, when we feel the weight of a cross. I want you to understand, my friend, that since Jesus knew that he was going to have his cross, he was also pointing out to everyone that would claim to be a disciple of the Lord that they too, someday or another, would know what it was to take up his own cross and follow the Lord. I want to preach to you tonight, my friend. Amen. That since we know that the cross is inevitable, I'd also want to tell you that the cross in your life is going to produce one of two things. It is either going to make you like the man that I read to you in verse 39 that turned to the Lord with a bitter complaint and an arrogant spirit that said, Save me from this cross or else you'll be like the man in verse 42 that turned and said Lord this is my cross but while I'm on the cross would you remember me can somebody shout amen it's inevitable you will bear a cross notice the effect the cross had on this man Save me from this cross. Doesn't that reflect our own humanity? Doesn't that reflect how sometimes we feel in life? We ask the Lord to please deliver me from this cross. Because it is in our nature. We like the path of least resistance. We like smooth days. We like good days. Come on now. Amen. We like days that are without pain, without turmoil, without conflict. Are y'all going to help me preach tonight? Come on now. Amen. I want you to know that it is, it is only natural at times in our lives to somehow look up to God and say, Lord, would you please save me from this cross? Amen. I want you to notice the effect that the cross had on this man. This man looked at the very God of heaven. Amen. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, and he turned to him with an arrogant and a proud spirit and with a bitter complaint and said, Save me from this cross. I know the Bible pointed out that his sentence went like this. Save thyself and us. But he really wasn't worried about anybody but himself. And could I tell you tonight, my friend, 
I'm afraid that sitting in our churches, there's men and women that life has given them a raw deal. They got the sword into the stick and things turned out sour. And tonight they're stumbling under the weight of the cross. But I come to preach to you. It's up to you how you allow your cross to affect you in life. It is up to you. Amen. What you say to God while you're under the weight of the cross. I need more, brother. Oh, God. I'm talking tonight that it is inevitable for us to have a cross in this life. Come on now. Amen. Do you know tonight that it's possible that somebody even sitting right here is being filled with bitterness because they're under the weight of their cross. Come on now. Amen. When I got saved, the preacher never guaranteed me. Amen. Days and days and days of nothing but prosperity and all good times. Come on now. Amen. There was no money back guarantee that I'd never be sad. That I'd never be sorrowful. That I'd never feel heavy. That I'd never feel weighted down. Come on now. Amen. But I'm afraid that in our churches there are many tonight instead of worship they are railing on God and underneath their breath they look up and shake a fist in the face of God and say I don't want this cross would you save me from the cross I come to tell you friend it's inevitable you're going to have a cross like it or not somewhere in life you got to learn to bear the cross And the effect that this cross had on this man, it affected him so that he complained. Now tonight, I'll be the first to admit I've had my days of complaining, Brother Harrison. I've had my days. I've had my lonely nights. Oh, I've shed my tears under the weight of my cross. Come on now. And I said, Lord, deliver me from this cross. Come on now. Amen. And although the Bible condemns complaining, I'm afraid that there are many tonight who have allowed the cross bring them to a life of bitterness. Have you ever met anybody that we use the old phrase to describe them that they have a chip on their shoulder many times my friend it's not a chip it's a cross come on now come on now Amen. But listen, my friend. Amen. I want you to know that I've already tried to tell you. Amen. That being a cross bearer is one of the greatest marks of being a disciple. Amen. But yet tonight, I got a question to ask before I go on. Amen. What kind of effect has your cross produced in your life? Come on now. Did you come tonight? Amen. Bitter. Did you come angry at God? Are you upset tonight with a problem? it's of God oh come on now are you painfully disturbed at the way your life has gone well I must tell you you must learn how to take up your cross and follow the Lord if you're going to be a true disciple of God 
And he turned to him and railed on him. How many of you knew Brother D.C. Williamson? How many agree that he was one of the greatest men that the holiest movement ever known? He was a home missionary. The carnival was going on. The fair was going on. You'd find Brother D.C. at the carnival. You'd find him at the fair. He wasn't riding the rides. He wasn't drinking the booze. He's passing out tracks. Big old leather satchel around his shoulder. Big old hat sometimes out on sunny days. And Brother D.C. would go up and down those streets. Up and down into those carnivals. One day I even went to a a Veterans Day parade. My grandpa was going to drive his wagon and team. And that Veterans Day parade. And I was standing there on Main Street. And here come Brother D. And gave me a track. Said, look here. Caught these holiness people right in the very act. And then, of course, he said, I won't condemn you, brother. I won't condemn you. A lot of good that done. Come on now. But I watched him go up and down the street, passing out tracks. Brother Ben, I saw him wad the track up right in his face and drop those tracks there at his feet. And Brother D.C. had a phrase that he was known for. The Lord's good to me, brother. Every time you seen him, Brother Ralph, you'd say, how you doing, Brother D.C.? The Lord's good to me. The Lord's good to me. I remember hearing Brother D.C. talk about when he was in the war. And he was on a ship over there in the Philippines. He said they kicked me in the shins when I witnessed to him and talked to him about Jesus. But when the bombs started coming over, they were saying, where's that preacher? While Brother D. was over in the service... While he served his duty to his country that he loved, he had left a woman back over here that he had fallen in love with, and their plans were to get married. And while Brother D.C. was over there in the service in the Philippines, out there on a ship with a bunch of heathens in a time of war, the woman back here in the States had fallen in love with someone else, and she had written Brother D.C. a Dear John letter. How many knows what a Dear John letter is? She wrote that letter to him and said, D.C., I've fallen in love with someone else. And in essence, our plans for marriage is over. And there was a man all alone out there. He meant out there in a time of war. But you know, when he came back, when he came back to the States, when he, when he got out and got leave of the service, as far as I know, he really never ever did pursue another love. Never did really ever pursue, but just wholly dedicated himself to God. I'm talking about a man that had no companion. He had no children. He had no heritage. Come on now. He had one sister that lived over a hundred and something miles away in Oklahoma City. And he didn't get to see her very much. I remember when, when, when Brother D.C. began to fail in health. Brother Meadows, I know he come visited your church. And Brother Cox, he come to the house of prayer. And probably came to hell station a lot of times. But I remember when Brother D. got up in years and his health began to fail. And I remember sometimes he'd come to church, Brother Shad, and his eyes were so bad that someone from the church would drive him home at night. He couldn't drive. He'd come there on Sunday morning and stay all day, and somebody would drive him home at night. Well, sometimes, Brother Ben, I got the privilege of taking Brother D.C. home. He lived in Hubbard, Oklahoma. 
a very small town, a little old two or three room house, very small, very primitive. I mean, just two or three rooms. I remember Brother Fetner walking in there. There were boxes and boxes of tapes and tracks and, and, and papers. I mean, all kinds of things, holiness messengers and, and books and all kinds of things. I remember one day uh, in the late 80s, me and my father uh, uh, were privileged to run a service station together. One of the last service stations that was in our town, full service. And Brother D.C. came there one day and we did some, some service on his car. And I, while his car was in the bay, Brother D. came around the end of his vehicle, tears running down his face and he's speaking in tongues. I said, Brother D., what's the matter? He said, there's some Spanish boys over there. And I think I got some Spanish tracks in here. And I'm going to get them and hand them out. He devoted himself unto God. Had no companion. Had no children. Come on. And the shame of it is, there's some of us that's got everything. Got a wife and children. Oh, come on now. But yet, under the weight of the cross, we have become bitter. We have become complainers. I come to tell you, Brother D.C. was a real disciple. Because you know what he did? He got under the load. He got under the weight of the cross. And he bore the cross. Would somebody shout amen? I come to tell you, it'd have been easy to get bitter. It'd have been easy to be a complainer. But instead of complaining, he got under the load. And thank God was a disciple of the Lord. And when he got too sick to drive, and he went to the hospital, Brother Williamson, he came home and my father-in-law and mother-in-law took care of Brother D for several weeks. He wound back up in the hospital and there laid that old soldier. Come on now. I'm telling you, it's up to us how we allow our cross in life to affect us. And I'm afraid the reason why that we can't have revival in some places is we spend all of our time in bitterness under the weight of our cross. Come on now. We spend too much of our time in a complaining mentality under the load of our cross. But does anybody understand that Jesus bore his cross? Come on now. He walked the road alone. He went all the way up Calvary. Thank God he never looked back. And because that he bore his cross, it made you and I able to bear our cross. What are you saying, preacher? I'm telling you I'm concerned. Amen. That we're not bearing our crosses. We're allowing it to affect us in a negative way. But Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you got to learn to get under the weight and the load of your cross. Save me from the cross. Save me from the cross. I come to tell you, my friend, it is inevitable. You're going to bear a cross sometime in your life. But my message tonight is simply this. How are you going to allow that cross to affect you? Amen. Is it going to allow you? Is it going to make you hard in spirit? Is it going to make you bitter? In spirit, 
Is it going to make you full of pride and arrogance? And bring you to the place where you feel like God owes you something other than a cross in life? Come on now. You may not think it's a problem, but it is a problem in our churches. People are getting hard to reach because of a shell of bitterness. Come on, and discontentment. Amen, that is in their life. Amen, but Brother D.C. died. Went on to get his reward. Amen, but every man I ever talked to concerning. Amen, Brother D.C. Williamson. They'd never be able to tell you that his cross produced in his life a complaint and an arrogant and a hard spirit unto God Almighty. I'm telling you, I know the cross is rough. I know that it's painful. Agonizing, yeah. Of course, yes. But there's been nobody that ever made it to heaven that had a velvet cross. Everybody that ever went there was under the load and under the strain and under the weight of some kind of cross in life. One man said that our crosses would be easier to carry if we would stop dragging them along. Come on now. In this pampered generation. Come on now. I said in a pampered generation where we don't want any agonizing. We don't want any pain. We don't want any resistance. Come on now. But yet that is the very reason why, amen, we are lacking in true discipleship in the end time church. Come on now. It's been a proven fact, amen, that when there are no crosses, men become very irreligious. Would somebody shout amen? When there are no burdens to bear, when there are no pains, when there are no sorrows, men forget all about what Jesus did for them on Calvary. I come to tell you tonight, I'd like to get under my cross. Great God, I wish I could preach to you. I tell you tonight that the only thing you can do is get under the load and the weight of your cross. One old Yorkshire farmer said, cross-bearing is a blessed work if you tie it on with love. What about your life? What about the way it's going right now? Did you stumble in here tonight under the load? Did you come today bowed and broken under the weight of life's cross? Is that why you weren't singing? Is that why your hands never went up? Is that why you did not pray? I'm telling you, our cross will produce one of two things. It will either make us bitter, it will make us a complainer, or it will produce in us a conversion. And I'm going to go on to my next point before I bore all of you to death tonight. But I'm trying to preach to you, amen, that we must learn that it is our responsibility on how we allow the crosses in our life to affect us. And so the Bible said, here's another man. Now stay with me just a few minutes. Here's another man. Here's another cross. 
Here's another man with pain. Are y'all with me? Here's another man with suffering. Here's another man agonizing. Here's another man that feels the weight of a cross. But yet instead of it producing in him a hard spirit, he becomes humble. He becomes broken. Same kind of cross. Same kind of pain. Come on now. He had this first man's cross that gave out a bitter complaint. His cross was not bigger. I doubt very seriously that his cross was any heavier. Come on now. I doubt that the pain was any more great. But here's a man on the same kind of cross, feeling the same kind of pain, under the same kind of agonizing pressure. Amen. But now I want you to see the effect of the cross on this man. Amen. Instead of it producing a heart and an arrogant spirit, it produces in him humility. And he turned to the Lord and he said, Lord, what I'm going to ask you right now, under the weight of your cross, what do you call him? Come on now. Oh, hallelujah. I said, what do you call him? Can you still call him Lord? Amen. Come on now. I'm afraid that tonight there's somebody under the load. And they've called the Lord unfair. They've called him a respecter of person. They've called him inconsiderate. But come on now. we got to learn that our crosses will produce in us a complaint or a conversion. How come it's been said a lot of times that two men can have the same trial and one man will get bitter and the other man will get better? Come on now. I think it solely depends upon the spiritual condition of the individual. Come on now. How many evangelists here preach for Brother Savage? There's a few. Maybe, maybe not evangelist, but you've been there and preached for him. I remember Brother Savage telling me about that day when he got the news of his son being murdered down in Florida. And most of you know the story. I'm not going to get into all of that. But I looked at a man. Sister Savage told me that when the man came and knocked on the door, when Brother Lindsay went to the door, he said, you've got to be mistaken. You have got to be mistaken. Come on. Have you ever gotten some news and all of a sudden the cross seemed weightier? Did you ever get a phone call or a report and all of a sudden the cross became more coarse? Come on now. And as a man stood there and told him, Mr. Savage, your son has been shot. And I don't know if he told him at that point that he that he had expired. Amen. But there stood a man. Come on now. If anybody's ever been a disciple, amen. Brother Lindsay Savage has been a true disciple under the Lord. Amen. Throughout his life. But I see a gray-haired preacher that began to bow under the load of a cross. But here's the great thing. The cross had an effect on him. But it didn't cause him to get hard and bitter. 
bitter and angry. Bless God, he got under the load. I said he picked it up. Hallelujah. Got back in the pulpit and took another text. Glorify God. Worship the Lord. Sing praises unto God. I said, my friend, it's inevitable. Why don't you just get under it? I said, it's inevitable. Why don't you just bear it? It's going to come someday or another. Many times I've said, Lord, save me from this cross. And I should have been saying, Lord, remember me while I'm on it. In the crucifixion of Philip Strong, it was a story of a man that was offered two pastorates, I believe, at the same time. One was in a large city near a university big facilities, good attendance, and abundance in finances. At the same time, another church was offered to him in a small town or out in the country with minimum facilities, minimum attendance, and minimum finances. And these two pastorates were offered to him at the same time. And I don't remember all of the details. It's been so many years. But I remember there was one statement that Philip Strong, the character there, I believe in the story, had made. He had gotten to the place where it felt like that he was actually being crucified. And under the weight of the cross, the Lord spoke to him and said, there may be a crucifixion, but after the crucifixion, there's a resurrection. Oh. I said there may be a crucifixion but after the crucifixion there will be a resurrection come on now he may not come to tell you tonight saint of God he may look under the hills from whence coming your help your help comes from the Lord if God is the author of your child he will be the finisher of it he'll give you exactly what you need but I get under the load of the cross you know what we need to do tonight we need to pick it up bless God and bear it we need to get under the load of our cross dear God don't ever let my cross produce in my life a proud and an arrogant and a bitter spirit against God oh God Lord what do you call him when things turn sour and the cross gets heavy and the weight and agonizing pain of life and trial and temptation will you still be able to call him Lord or will you call him unloving inconsiderate a respecter of person come on now one thing this man did not realize oh come on that the cross y'all still with me the cross brought him closer to Jesus than he had ever been in his life come on now he may not come to tell you tonight not for him that since we know that 
Christ envisioned the cross for himself. And since we know that he envisioned the cross for everyone that would follow, and since we know that it is inevitable, I'd like to do my part in making sure that the cross in my life produces in me a worship. Come on now. If I stumble in under the weight of the cross, amen, let me call him Lord. If I'm bowed over under life's trials, let me lift holy hands without wrath and doubting. If I come to a dead end, let me shout out hallelujah. Let me pick up the cross in my life and be a cross bearer. Because until you bear the cross, there'll be no crown. Oh, God. Five years ago, next month, oh, it got heavy. Mama, it got heavy. Oh, them years that Mama served the Lord, she bore a cross. But this day, oh, it got heavy. Had been in revival at Kellyville, Brother David Taylor's. Come home that night. Two o'clock in the morning, mother called. Something's wrong with daddy's son. Oh, it got heavy, brother Ben. Come on now. I rushed over there. And there was my dad, 50 years old. 50 years old. Oh, stout. Healthy, robust. Hard worker, had worked 90 days straight before that day, provided for me. Come on now, provided for our family, loved my mama and my sister and me. But oh, oh, it got heavy. And I pulled him out of that recliner, I laid him in the floor. And oh, Brother Lloyd, it got heavy. Save me from this cross, Lord. Save me from this cross, Lord, please. Not this cross. Please, Lord, not this cross. Not this one. I knew it'd be inevitable. But God, I never thought this cross would ever come. Come on now. I laid there and tried to administer CPR. I called 911. They gave me instructions. Oh, Brother Lloyd, it got heavy. Come on now, I saw my gray-haired mother begin to get low under that cross, walking up and down them halls asking for God to send healing virtue. But Brother Ben, it never came. The ambulance came. He went to the hospital. I stood in that hallway, and I knew the countenance that was on the face of that doctor when there were no words but a small shake of the head no and oh come on now the cross does anybody understand that our crosses can be agonizing they can be painful they can get heavy but how's it going to affect you oh it got so heavy And we had the funeral. And I started canceling revivals. Brother Meadows, 
being compassionate and considerate, called me. I said, we'd like you to come preach a youth rally for us. I said, Brother Darrell, I can't. Oh. He said, I believe it'd help you if you could come. I said, I, I can't. I'm, I'm bowed over under this cross. My phone rang and rang and rang and rang. Preachers all over this country that my daddy never knew. So we're praying for you. God's going to help you. God's going to move for you. God's going to come by. But oh, brother, brother Lloyd, it just seemed like they were short of helping me. Amen. But it was my cross. You hear me? It was my cross. Come on now. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. The night that they came and took daddy away, my sister was in the back bedroom speaking in a heavenly language and the Holy Ghost come down and was all over her. Come on now. Amen. Several days had passed. I canceled a lot of revivals and I told this before but I'm preaching tonight on the effects of life's crosses and it's up to you my friend how you allow your cross in life to affect your heart. It's up to you how you allow the cross amen to affect your Life. And oh, it got heavy. I began to cancel revivals. I felt like God had dealt with me to stay home and help mother. I had no brothers. My dad had no insurance. He had no retirement. He had land. He had a home. He had debt. And all of these things. And my mother was there with no income, no job. And I felt like, and, and listen, brother, I'm not being snooty. It was just my duty. Come on now. Amen. It was just my duty, and I felt God. But at the same time, it didn't help the weight of that cross. And the devil got on the other side. Come on now. And said, you'll never be what you could have been. Here was your ministry just getting going good. And doors were opening. And you were being used here and there. Come on now. And oh, the weight of the cross. I wish somebody would help me preach tonight. Come on now. I'm telling you, there are crosses in life. Under the weight of that cross. Brother Dan, is that you up there? Under the weight of that cross. You ever had a cross, Brother Dan? Oh, thank God for Brother Dan Roberts. Amen. Listen, I've been under that cross. Amen. The devil said, you, you ain't going to be nothing no more. Your ministry's over. You've canceled revivals. I went back and got my old job back, Brother Shad. Went in, talked to the executive director. In 24 hours, I had my company truck, my cell phone, back on the job with retirement and dental and insurance, everything that I'd walked off and left seven years earlier. Come on now. But oh, it didn't help the weight of the cross. Come on now. Amen. And I felt the cross getting heavier. Amen. The devil began to tell me, you ain't going to be nothing. And you know, I remember... I remember going to Bristol that following June and I sat out there with some of my preacher friends and it just seemed like I didn't fit. Look, I'm not that fragile, but our crosses get heavy. Come on now. 
they were talking about revivals and talking about where they had been. And they asked me where I'm going next week. I'm going back to work. I remember I got in my company truck, Brother Daryl, Brother Tracy. Allentown rolled around that spring. I drove down the road, tears running out of my eyes because I wished to God in heaven I could be there. Come on now. But I had a cross. Come on now. He man, the devil got to telling me, you're on the back burner. Your ministry is on the back burner. You are finished. They're going to forget who you are. They ain't going to ask you to come and preach no more. And they ain't going to, please, please don't misunderstand me tonight when I'm telling this. Please, I'm not wanting your sympathy. I don't want you to think bad of me. Amen, I'm just telling you sometimes, amen, our cross does get heavy. Amen, come on now. And we feel the load of the cross. But brother, brother Gallagher, the devil said, you're on the back burner, son. And I remember dad had bought some calves. And I went out there to bottle feed them Holsteins early on a Sunday morning. And I went out there. I had all the milk mixed up. And had them there shut up in the pen. And old Jers, she was out there milling around. And I walked in that barn and knelt down at a bale of hay after I'd fed them calves. And I said, God, I have come today to tell on the devil. <laughs> I said, I don't want no money. I don't want this. I don't want that. I just come today to tell on the devil. Come on now. And I looked up with my bloodshot eyes and tear-stained cheeks. And I said, God Almighty, the devil said, I'm on a back burner. This cross is getting too heavy. And the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, you may be on the back burner, but it'll do just as much cooking if you'll turn the fire up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So you know what I did? I just got under that cross. Hallelujah. Thank God I wish somebody would shout amen. I'm telling you it's up to you. You're going to have it. It's going to come your way. You're going to bear it. Does anybody feel like being a disciple of the Lord? I said, does anybody feel like being a cross bearer? Same kind of pain, same kind of cross, same kind of agony. But he looked at him and said, Lord, I'm not going to ask you to save me from this. I'm just going to ask you to remember me while I'm enduring it. Praise God. I come to tell you, amen, you foot sore and weary, amen, you that are stumbling under the load of the cross, amen, he knows exactly, amen, where you are. Come on now. He's seen every tear, it roll down your cheek. Come on now. He's seen every lonely night, every discouraging day. But I'm telling you someday, when we cross death chilly Jordan, there's only one thing that I'm going to carry over, and it's my cross but when I get there I'm gonna lay it down hallelujah I'm gonna trade my cross for a Roman crown but somebody shout amen I'm trying to encourage you to bear your cross hallelujah I said bear the cross it's gonna be worth it Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. What are you going to let it produce in you? Is it going to produce in you arrogance and bitterness? And with an angry fist and a proud spirit, you'll say, God, I don't want this cross. Or will you say, Lord, I've been closer to you than I've ever been in my life. Come on now. All because of the cross. I wonder what would have happened to that man. He may have rotted in a Roman cell and never got close to Jesus. But because of the cross, he got closer than he'd ever been in his life. And you know what the Bible said? He man, his cross produced in him a worship. His cross produced in him humility. And I tell you something else that his cross awarded him with paradise. God, I can tell y'all ain't feeling what I'm feeling. If it had not been for the cross, he'd have never got paradise. Does anybody believe that there's a heaven that's awaiting? There's a glory that's awaiting. There's a payday that's awaiting if we'll bear our cross. Well, I saw a wayward traveler in those tattered garments clad. And while struggling up the mountain, it just seemed that he was sad. His back was laden heavy, and his strength was almost gone. But he shouted as he journeyed, I know that deliverance will come. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, I saw him in the evening. And that sun was sinking low. And he'd overcome that mountain. And then he reached that veil below. Well, he saw that golden city. It was his everlasting home. And he shouted, glad. Hosanna's. Deliverance has come. Woo! I wonder if somebody would praise him. I wonder if somebody would give him honor. I wonder if somebody would give him glory. Amen. I wonder if anybody would bear their cross. I wonder if anybody would pick it up. That day, some.